Hey guys, this is Pastor Ryan, and I'm so glad you've chosen to worship with us this Sunday. Before we get the service started, I want to draw your attention to some events and information we think you'll want to take note of. So let's take a look. Operation Nourishing Hope is today. This is where we pack 300 full Thanksgiving meals, including a turkey, and deliver them to area families in need. We have a great team of packers already committed to packing. We still need delivery teams. If you want to get in on that, meet here at the Worship Center at 3 p.m. this afternoon for a quick rally, and then we'll load out. Preparations are already underway for our Faith Church Christmas experience. These special services will be a great and a unique opportunity for you to invite your friends and family to celebrate Christmas together over the holiday break. We're offering four services this year beginning Wednesday, December 21st at 6.30 p.m., then a Friday service on December 23rd at 6.30, and finally two services Saturday, December 24th at 3 and 5 p.m., with the latter letting out just in time to make those Christmas Eve family gatherings. Room in the Inn Shoals is a local winter shelter organization serving the homeless population and is solely supported by area churches. Faith Church will be hosting several nights again this year. If you'd like to help with this important ministry, meet a representative in the Connect Room immediately following the service for more information. Mission Honduras will be March the 26th through the 31st. If you're interested in more information, plan to attend a short meeting Sunday, December the 4th, after the service in the conference room. First-time guests often ask about our children's ministries on Sunday mornings during both services. In Kids Town and Faith Kids, our kids enjoy a safe and secure environment, a relevant message, and their own worship time that they'll absolutely love. So it's not too late to take your kids back now and check them in. Your kids will have a blast. That's all for now. Thanks again for attending Faith Church this morning. We want you to feel welcome and at home. In just a moment, the music will begin, and then we'll experience part three of our current teaching series, Thanksgiving Feast. All together, we'll be here for just over an hour. Be sure and check us out on Facebook or Instagram. And if you need more information about anything you've seen or heard today, stop by the information booth in the lobby. Let's have a great day and get ready for worship. Good morning, everyone. Come on, let's stand together. We're going to worship. This morning, this song, we're going to declare that Jesus is our victory. Amen. Put your hands together. Hearts rejoicing, breaking silence. You are my God Word with passion, heaven's our home, and I can't stop you. You pray. Transformed, your 
Jesus. God, your name is powerful. Your name is loving. Your name is strength. Your name is freedom. And God, we just thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you that we can call on your name in any situation, God, and that you are there. God, you never leave us. You never forsake us. You're with us every moment of every day. And God, we thank you that we don't have to be shaken by the worries of this world. God, we thank you that we have strength in the name of Jesus, that we can come before you, that we can lay before you the burdens that we carry, the shame that we carry. And God, you remove that before your eyes, God. You see us as a clean vessel, a child of God, and we thank you for that this morning. God, your grace is so good. Your grace is sufficient in every aspect of our life, and we thank you for your goodness this morning. Father, we love you. We pray blessings over this service today. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Give your neighbor a high five and tell him you're glad to see him this morning. Well, my name is Brittany Gooch. I'm on staff here, and I just want to welcome you this morning. I want to say thank you for choosing to be here to worship with us this morning. We're so glad that you're here. We know the, the Thanksgiving week is kind of getting started, and some people are kind of um, getting started with their traveling. So we're glad that you all are here. We got a full house this morning, and it's good to see you all here. If you are a first-time guest here with us this morning, we want to send a special welcome to you just for being here with us this morning. Thank you. We want you to know that we consider you our VIP. We have a team that is called our VIP team. They think um, they are out there out front. They think you're very important. We think you're very important. You are very important. And so if you got to interact with them on the way in, we hope you did. That is wonderful. But if you didn't get a chance to, we would love for you to do that as you exit. If you would do us a favor, though, before you um, leave the service, if you would grab a connect envelope from the seat back in front of you and just fill that out and let us know that you are a first-time guest. Give us a little information about yourself, whatever you want to uh, say on there. And then take that over to our connect room, which is right across the hall from the worship center, and give that to one of our VIP team members. They would love to just give you a free gift just for being here today and say thank you for coming. Just kind of interact with you a little bit. And then um, we want to give you that free gift, and we just pray that you come back. We pray that you felt loved, that you felt welcome, that you feel a part of this faith family. If you are a second-time guest here with us today, we would like to ask you to do the same thing. Just fill out your Connect envelope, mark second-time guest. We've got a special gift that we just want to mail you just for choosing to come back a second time and, and worship with us here. But as the ushers are beginning to come forward and we're going to take up our tithes and offerings, I want to remind you we've got three ways that you can give of tithes and offerings here at Faith Church. You can do that through cash or check as the buckets pass in front of you. You can go online if you like to do online uh, bill pay, if you just kind of like online um, 
taking care of everything online like we do, you can go online to igotofaith.com and set up recurring giving, which is super easy. You don't even have to think about it. It just comes out however so often you want it to come out. Or you can do a text to give. And if you would text 256-483-4991, you can set up the amount of the contribution that you want to give today. And it'll just kind of prompt you for your card and that kind of thing. So it's very simple, but there's three easy ways for you to give. But if you guys will pray with me, we'll collect that offering. Father, we just thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Father, we thank you, Father, for the generosity of these people. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to be a church that provides life, God, that through your, your light and your love, God, we can provide life to other people. And so, God, we thank you for that, God. We thank you that we can go out and we can bless people and that we have the opportunity, Father, to... Um, spread your love and your favor to our city through giving. And so, God, we thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there's a couple announcements I want to remind you guys of. Obviously, it's Thanksgiving week, so we will not have our midweek service this Wednesday night. So we're going to be canceling that. We want you guys to stay home, have fun with your family, eat lots of food, rest, enjoy this week. It's going to be a great week. So no Wednesday night services Wednesday night. So be sure and mark your calendars. But today, because of it being Thanksgiving week, we have an awesome event uh, going on today called Nourishing Hope. How many of you have heard about Nourishing Hope? Oh, come on. We've been announcing it for weeks. You've heard about Nourishing Hope. Okay, we want you guys to be a part of that. If you are planning to be a part of that, that is wonderful. If you're not and you don't know what's going on, we are packing 300 boxes full of Thanksgiving groceries to um, distribute throughout the Shoals area today. So we have about 300 families um, who are going to be receiving these boxes, and we've got a team that's coming in to pack them. And if you want to be a part of the delivery process, we would love for you to show up here at 3 o'clock this afternoon right here in the worship center, and we're going to kind of rally together for a minute and then get our boxes. Everybody will get a few boxes to go and deliver to um, families throughout the Shoals area. So we would love for you to be a part of that. Just show up here at 3 o'clock today. It's going to be a great event. Um, and last reminder is, you know, Pastor Steve just got back from Honduras a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned an upcoming mission trip coming up soon. So we do have an informational meeting on December 4th. That's two weeks from today, and they're going to be, those meetings are going to be following the first and the second service. So if you are interested in that, make plans to be here for that. Mark that on your calendar. It's going to be um it's going to be a great trip, so make sure that you mark that down, and you are here on December 4th after both services. Just hang out, and we'll get you some more information on that. But today is week three of Thanksgiving Feast, and Pastor Steve's going to be up next with that installment. Thanks, guys. Faith Church. It's good to see everybody today. Hey man, thanks so much for being here. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. As always, it's our privilege to host you. If this is your home church and your family, hey man, it's good to see you this weekend. 
How's that prayer request going that God answered for you? It's hot. We're ready for some cold weather. Y'all are repenting. Lord, we're sorry. God's like, no take backs. You got what you wanted. Woo. So, uh, yeah, so it's a little bit chilly outside. We're glad you decided to be here today. If you're a first-time guest, again, I know we've already greeted you, but uh, on behalf of myself and my wife, we just want to say welcome to Faith Church. We hope today is really a great day in your life. Each and every week, we just believe that it's not about a building. It's really about just God's presence. It's not even really just about a message, but it's about how God uses it to speak to your life. And so for each and every one of you, those who are watching online, we welcome you, and we hope that God speaks to you today and does something great. So listen, we're jumping in today again to week three of this series we started. If you're new to Faith Church, maybe this is the first time tuning in, typically we teach in a series style, which means we'll take a topic, we'll take a subject, and we'll teach on that for about four weeks. Um, This is not really kind of one of those series. You know, I just felt coming into the Thanksgiving season again because how many people know that this coming week, Thursday, you're going to pile that plate deep and wide. Come on, somebody. Like the grace of God and the love of Jesus, deep and wide. And we're going to go back not once but twice and three times, and then we're going to unbutton and take a nap and then go back four, and it's going to be amazing. And so really this series is kind of reflective of that in that on Thanksgiving you eat a lot, typically more than normal. We want this series because the Bible makes it clear that his word is like spiritual food and We just want to pack your plate, man. The purpose of this series is to preach in a way we typically don't, preach on subjects a little bit deeper, that God will speak something really profound to your life. So my prayer is, again, that God will pack your spirit. God will pack your heart with something significant. God will do great things in your life. So I don't know about you guys, but I know that there are times in my life that, like, I'm so busy. I have so much going on. There's so many things in my mind, so many things going on in my life that sometimes I miss Some other things that kind of I should be aware about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody here forget some things that are important? Anybody here ever have some stuff and like you're so busy looking one direction, you forget something? Like you shouldn't forget it. It, Like it's bad to forget it, but you're just kind of, you're not lazy. You're just kind of distracted. You're a little overwhelmed. I know for me that this has happened a lot, right? Just a couple months ago in mid-September, it was my wife's 29th birthday. And uh, so, like, I knew her birthday was coming. I was ready for her birthday. I had bought her a present. But the day of, like, her birthday, September 15th, I got up early. She got up early, and she's getting ready for work. And I went out for a run, and I came back, and I'm sweaty, and I'm thinking about the day. Fall launch is coming for our church, which is the biggest growth season of the year. We're in the budgets, and I'm in the staff reviews, and I'm thinking about everything. And my wife comes out, and she's like, hey. I'm like, hey, babe. And she's like, I'm going to work. I'm like, all right. It's like, I'm leaving now. I'm like, all right, see ya. I'll talk to you later. And when she gets in the car and I hear the garage door close, I'm like, oh, her birthday. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, you can't get that back. You can't call and say, I was just kidding. <laughs> Happy birthday. Like, that moment's gone. And so it's not, right? I mean, my wife is, is the most important person to me. And like, just I just had so much going on, I missed it. I'll give you another one. And, and listen, don't call children's services. It's too late. But do you know those parents that school's over and like the, the crowd of kids swells from 600 that need picked up to 500 to 400, 200, 100, 50, 10, 5. And then there's like the one or two kids. It's like, where are those parents at? 
Like, I'm telling you, I have forgotten my children so many times, they should have been taken from me. I'm just... Our, the previous church we were at, we lived in a city, and they were, they were part of a, a, um, a Christian school at that point. They, weren't, they were not in secular schools. And so, but, man, I'm just telling you, I would just be so involved in my day and so caught up in my schedule. Or I'd be in the middle of a meeting, and I'm supposed to pick them up at 3 o'clock, and it's like 3.15, and, you know, like all of a sudden I'm like, <gasps> and I don't know about you guys, but when I think about something, that is my response. I'm like, <gasps> I'm driving down the road, and there's times, like, we're just driving. My wife and I, I think, <gasps> And she's like, what did you forget? <laughs> like, so here's the thing is, listen, so I, th- I think about times I've forgotten my children. And I've forgotten them still here. And I, I just need to come up with some money um, for counseling because they're going to need it. They feel abandoned, I promise. Still my son, um, he's in seventh grade. But up through last year, okay, it's happened this year. I just can't escape it. There's been a couple times I've forgotten them. Like, I love them. But here's the thing is, I think about in my life, There's no question I love my kids. No question I love my wife. No question that these people and situations in my life are a priority. But but sometimes because I have so many other things going on, I have so many other things on my mind, like what should be a priority kind of falls by the wayside. What should be important by my decision looks like it's not important. And I started thinking about that, and I thought, you know, I wonder if my life is so busy, sometimes so overwhelmed, I'm so preoccupied, that I miss what's important or should be important, I wonder how many times my life is too busy for God. Like, think about it. You know, I wonder how many times, like, I'm too preoccupied with other things that I miss maybe an opportunity that God has for me or maybe something that I need to do that that God's calling me to do, an opportunity or privilege that, you know, that I have going on. Because here's what I know is, and I want all all of you to hear this today because this is where we're going to go is that sometimes it's your greatest obligations that will keep you from your greatest opportunities. That we are one of the most overcommitted, overwhelmed, stretched generations ever. If, if we could really be honest and we could kind of let, you know, let the blinds down and, and let all the truth in, right? A lot of us in this room, we're just overcommitted financially. We're just kind of barely making it week to week. Our schedule is overwhelmed with appointments and sports for kids and work and double shifts. And like we just, we're just overwhelmed. Our calendars are stretched. Our budgets are stretched. Our time is stretched. And here's what I know is, guys, that when we have so much on our plate, when we're obligated to so many things, when God gives us an opportunity, we can't take it, right? This this is not a money message, so I don't want anybody to pay, but but if you're a Christ follower here, if you're new to church, you can just kind of hang here for a second, but I just want you to know that if God lays it on your heart, hey, listen, man, you, you found out that your neighbor got laid off and God lays it on your heart to go bless him with some groceries, hey, listen, I want you to go help him. A lot of us in this room, we couldn't do it because we are so over-obligated, we can't take care of opportunities, right? We've, we've committed ourselves to so many things that if God lays it on our heart to go volunteer at a nonprofit, to maybe volunteer here in your church, that some of us are so busy that God has opportunities for you. That God has things that he's called us to and opportunities that he's going to give you. And I just want you to know, he's going to give us doors that he's going to open to use us. But because we are so obligated and overwhelmed and overburdened, most of us can't take those opportunities. And so today, for a few minutes, I just want to take a look at what maybe it would look like for you to switch gears how do you maybe escape some obligation? How do you open up your life to some opportunity? So not that you can live the American dream, but so you can live the kingdom life. 
Not so we can live maybe what everybody else thinks we should live, but so what Jesus like has done for us, we can walk it out and live it in the world that we live. So I want to look at a story. If you guys were here a couple weeks ago when we launched this series, I looked at a guy by the name of Elijah. Elijah was this incredible guy. He was a man of God. He was a prophet, which means he spoke for God, but it wasn't just what he said, it's what he did. Like, this guy did some crazy miracles. I mean, incredible miracles. Um, And so that's kind of what marked his life, his boldness, his message, his miracles. And at the later part of his life, God speaks to him and says, Hey, uh, I got your replacement in mind. I want you to go find your replacement. He's telling this to Elijah. He said, Your replacement's name is Elisha. Everybody say, Elijah. Say, Elisha. So he says, Elijah... I want you to go find this guy, Elisha, and I want you to anoint him. I want you to let him know that I have an opportunity for him, okay? So this is where the story picks up. Check this out, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Everybody here, you got to read these with me. So it says this, So Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing in a field. Everybody shout found. I love that word. Do you know, I, sometimes I'll tell my story and I'll tell people, man, I found Jesus March 19, 1989. Do you know that's not really true? I didn't find Jesus. Jesus found me. I just want everybody here, listen, you may not be a God person. You may not be a religious person. You're not really sure of this whole Jesus thing, or maybe you're all in. But I want you, no matter where you're at on that spectrum, I want everybody here to know that from the beginning of creation, God knew you would be born in spite of who you are, what you've ever done, what you ever will do. God has been passionately pursuing you and looking for you to pour his grace and love out on you. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that he found me. Is anybody here thankful today, man, that you've been found? I was lost, but now I'm found. Woo! Was blind. Come on, somebody. I'm about to get some church on in here. But now I see. And so the Bible tells us, watch this. So you got to picture this, right? Elijah, this guy, this wild prophet, he's walking kind of through the countryside, and he sees this guy, Elisha, and Elisha has these, these pair of oxen, this yoke of oxen. He's plowing this field. And he sees him. And the Bible says that Elijah found Elisha. One of the greatest lies that is ever perpetrated on the heart of a person, especially a believer, is for you to ever be convinced that God is no longer pursuing you. To ever believe for a second that God has stopped loving you. To ever believe for one moment that God is not desiring a relationship with you. See, the enemy wants us to think, hey, you went too far. Like you crossed that one line and it's too far out there. You crossed it one too many times like God's done. God has paid such a tremendous price through his son Jesus. He has made it abundantly clear in the the pinnacle of history, in the cross of Calvary, that he loves every single person in this room and he is passionately pursuing you. And he wants you. So if you're not yet, he wants you to be found. He wants you to know that he's looking for you, not to call you to a religion, but to call you into a relationship, to call you to this place where you can find life and meaning. And so the Bible says again, so Elijah went and found, everybody shout that word again, found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing in a field. Next verse. There were, this is important, there were how many? 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing which one? The 12th team. Keep going. And Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. 
Now, I, I know that seems, seems kind of weird, but this man, some translations, if, if you've read maybe some older translations like the King James, New King James, the Bible says he threw his mantle on him. Like, I don't know, maybe it's like a man scarf. You know, I mean, you, you, I think you can use your imagination, but here's what you need to know about this transaction. Remember, God told Elijah, go find Elisha and anoint him. Let him know that I've called him in the ministry. When Elijah sees Elisha, like he, he doesn't walk up and say, hey, I'm Elijah, can we have a conversation? Hey, listen, I just want you to know that I was praying and I felt like God spoke to me and felt like I, I know it's awkward, but I was supposed to come tell you that God told me. He like just walks up and says, peace out, and walks away. <laughs> and Elisha's like, but here's the thing is, he knew right away. Like for us, this might seem foreign. He knew right away what happened. Because like this piece, this piece of clothing, it was synonymous with a person, right? I tried to practice moonwalking because I could show you that I could moonwalk, but these shoes on this platform doesn't work. So y'all just got to believe that I can moonwalk. <laughs> but if I tried to moonwalk, you'd be like, what's he doing? But I'm just telling you that if I put, if I put a glitter glove on, y'all be like, Michael Jackson, because that glove is synonymous with Michael Jackson, right? I mean, first of all, he's the only guy ever that can pull off a glitter glove. Like, if I started wearing a glitter glove, I'm like, what, do y'all think I can pull it off? I'd be like, no. <laughs> but so when you think, right, when you think of that glove, you think of Michael Jackson. It's synonymous with who he is. When you think about a red cape, who do you think about? Superman. Like, it's synonymous. That's, it, it, like, encompasses who he is. Here's one. I, maybe not everyone will catch this one. But when you think about, for a musician, when you think about a black top hat, who are we thinking about? Slash. Not velvet revolver slash or not this new thing. I'm talking about some guns and roses slash. Anybody here got some GNR in them? Oh, you sinners. <laughs> right? I mean, like, this guy's still, I mean, he's been wearing this hat forever. And when you see it, like, it's not his guitar, it's not his boots, it's not his jeans, it's not his vest, not his shirt, not his tattoos, his necklace. Really, it's not his glasses. Like, that busted hair he has and a top hat, when you see that, it's synonymous with one of the greatest musicians, right? At least in my generation, amazing guitarist, right? For some of you guys a little bit old. When you think about, when you think about a white dress, especially it's got some wind underneath it, who do you think of? Marilyn Monroe. So it, it's these pieces of clothing that are synonymous with people. When this guy walked up with a man scarf, it was synonymous. That's the man of God. That's the prophet. That's, like, that's the guy I've been hearing about that's been working all these miracles. That's the guy that's been getting up in the king's chili and telling him he needs to repent. That's him. And it's not just synonymous with a person, but the man scarf, the mantle, was synonymous with a purpose. Like it represented a call. That God had called Elijah to be a prophet. God had called him to have boldness. And didn't just say, I want you to do it, but I want you to hear this. God anointed him to do it which means that God put his Holy Spirit inside of Elijah, that he would have the power, he would have the boldness, he would have the capacity to do incredible things on behalf of God. And so when Elijah seen this guy coming with this scarf on, like it was this moment, like that's him. That's Elijah. Hey, guys, like he's the one who resurrected. There was a kid who was dead, and that's him. That's the guy, that's the one who God used to provide for the widow. That's him. That's the one that went and got in the king's face and caught her. That's him. 
in that same mantle, Elijah walks up to him and puts it on him. And what he was saying is, what I've been doing, God's calling you to do. The message God's given me, God's given you. Like it was this significant, weighty moment where his life all of a sudden hit a Y in the road. And what we're going to see as we move forward is he was in the midst of this huge obligation, but God opened the door for a huge opportunity, and he had to decide, am I going right or am I going left? And here's what the Bible says. Watch this, verse 20. Everybody read this. Elisha left the oxen standing there. Remember, remember what Elijah did. Elijah threw it down and kept walking. He ran after Elijah and said to him, come on, what's that, what's that word? Y'all got to say that. First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll go with you. Next verse. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I've done to you. He said, hey, listen, uh, you can go kiss your parents, but I want you to consider this weighty moment that's just happened. I want you to consider that symbolically I put my mantle on you. Symbolically, God's put a call on your life. Here's what I know, guys, and I want you all to just to, to know this. You, you may not be sure of this, but especially, again, if you're a Christ follower, I want you to know that God's already put a mantle on you. I want everybody here to know that God's put a calling on your life. And each and every week, I believe this, each and every week, I believe that God, through the preaching of the word, I believe that God, through the message, and some of you know this, that God puts a mantle on you, that God calls you to action, that God puts a burden in your heart. That some of you in this room that like you've been coming to church and like God all of a sudden is like you feel pulled in a new direction. How do you know what I'm talking about? Like six months ago, you'd have never imagined getting up at 8.30 in the morning to be at a 9.30 church service. Come on. Some of you were getting in at 8.30 six months ago. Right? But here you are. And God is putting some calls on your life. And God is like it's, there's, there's something in us that's not the same. Where we sit in a service. I don't know about you guys, but because I've sat there where I've been preached to and I've been here when I've been the preacher, but y'all know what it's like when, when, when you're sitting where you're sitting and a message is being preached and it seems like the pastor followed you the previous week and the message is just for you. Is that not creepy? I just want you to know that we're hooked in with the NSA and we trace all your calls and emails and text messages. That's how we do it. That's the, in, that's the inside scoop. <laughs> like that's just God meeting you where you are, like God met Elisha in a field plowing with oxen. God met him where he was and just threw a call on him. See, God doesn't just want you to show up to church and hear a message and leave. Each and every week when we come together, God is looking to transform hearts. God is looking to ignite passions. God is looking to call people. God is looking to push people out into this world to be change agents. And when the message is preached, God meets you where you are and he puts in you passions and callings and he stirs up gifts and he gives you visions and dreams. And what God is doing is he's saying, I know you got a lot of obligations. I know you're already stretched, but God is saying, listen, I want to one-up you because I have an amazing opportunity for you. And like, like Elisha, we're, we're stuck like, which do we want to do? And I don't know about you, but like, I would love, anybody here, and, and I would love God to do some really incredible things through my life. Anybody here feel that way? Like, I want my life to matter. Like, God, use me. Like, God, use me. You all need to pray for me. I have, um, I have three kids, and I have one that, that she's 20 years old, and she is still relentless on another puppy. 
And this started when we were young, and some of you know what this is like when your kids demand a puppy. And how can you say no to a puppy? Like, if you get to a place where there's puppies, you're taking a puppy home or you don't have a heart. That's just a fact. So, like, I won't even look at them. You know, my daughter, she'll send me pictures. Look at these puppies. And I won't even look because I have a heart. There's people in our church that, that uh, breed dogs. They're always trying to give us a puppy, and I'm praying they go to another church. And I'm like, <laughs> stop, stop. We don't want a puppy. Like, I have a one-dog rule, one dog. So we have one dog. So here's the rule is, is my daughter's like, Dad, can I have another puppy? I'm like, yes. You get rid of Phineas, the next one's in. Kick Phineas to the curb, and we can get a new dog. And so she wants two dogs because here's the thing, right? Puppies are cute, right? I mean, you love them and they're, you know, play with them and they bite you and hot, you know, and you get toys. And then, I mean, there's so many cool things about a puppy until they start pooping on your carpet, peeing on your bed, barking in the middle of the night, running off, getting hit by cars. I mean, it's like on one hand, it's all these beautiful things like, how could you say no to a puppy? But my responsibility as a father is to be the mean one to remind them that even though it's a great, cool thing to have a puppy, it's a lot of responsibility. It's like a lot of work to have a dog. And my kids, like all through their life, but even still, like all they see is like the fun part. And I think we just need to be reminded that I think God wants to do some really great things through us, and I think it's going to be amazing, and God can use you, and God can do some great things. And while all of it, there's a lot of fun and a lot of cool stuff in it, like it's a lot of obligation, it's a lot of weightiness, it's a lot of uh, responsibility for God to do things in our lives. I think of police officers. We have police officers in the house. Anybody here serve anywhere in, in law enforcement? Lift your hand, man. We love you guys. Can we give it up for some law enforcement people? That is sincere from my heart, but if you pull me over, remember this moment. <laughs> like, wouldn't it be cool? Like, I think about sometimes being a police officer. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff. You get to carry a gun outside. Like, so y'all know sometimes I'm packing. But I got to get around the love handle. It's under a shirt. There's a good chance I'm going to be, you know, mugged before I ever get my gun out. Let's just be honest. But I got one. But you get to carry it on the side. You get a badge. You can just tell people what to do. I'm telling you, I would totally abuse that authority. You get to ride around in a car that has lights and a siren that makes people move out of your way. Can you imagine the possibilities? If I was a police officer, my blood pressure would drop drastically driving in Alabama. Just so you all know, the speed limit is a suggestion. Pick it up a little bit. It's cool. Red lights. Red lights for me would be like, whoop, whoop, whoop. I would never stop again. Like, I would, I would never need to replace my brakes for like 200,000 miles. I wouldn't stop until I got to my destination. Like, think about all the upside of being a police officer. Like, we look at it. That'd be cool. That'd be great. But then I started thinking about these guys put their lives on the line. They're the ones that run in when everybody else is running out. They're the ones that, like, sacrifice to protect and serve. So even though there's this huge upside, like there's this huge responsibility. And here's what's going on in the mind of Elisha when God opens this opportunity in the midst of his obligation. Like he's got to imagine like, wait a minute, like I can do some of the stuff you did, which FYI, Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah recorded. He duplicated many of the miracles that Elijah did, but he upped him and multiplied them twice. 
So you got to think, man, wait, I can be bold like you. I can be used like you. I can do miracles like you. Like I'm all in. Wait a minute. There's sacrifice. There's obligation. And all of a sudden there's this like there's this tearing in us. We're like, we're, we have opportunities, but we're kind of trapped between obligations and we're not sure what we want to do. And I want everybody, if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want every person in this room and watching online, I want you to hear this, that God is going to do great things in the earth and he's going to use people to do it. God is going to do great things on our campuses. God is going to do great things in our high schools, in junior highs, and on the campus of UNA in, in, in the shoals, I want you to know, I believe that God will do great things in your workplace. God is going to do, is anybody, I'm glad you all are with me. God's going to do great things in this nation. God's going to do great things in this planet. I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that God is about to do incredible things and he's going to use people to do it. The only question is, do you want to be one of those people? Woo! Sign me up. Maybe. Right? I mean, first of all, I got a lot going on. I'm not really sure I can fit a whole nother thing in because I got a lot of obligations. I got a lot of commitments going on. So God, it's, it's like this thing that, God, I want to be used by you. God, I want to make and I want to influence people. I want to, like, there's a lot of hopelessness and there's a lot of hurt. Like, I don't know if y'all are paying attention, but like just recently right here in our community, like death happens, but like just recently we've seen like some murders and some suicides and like there's a lot of hopelessness. Drug addictions in this community is through the roof. And I don't know about you, but like I just don't want to show up, sit in a service, hear a message, go home, go to work, repeat. Like I want God to say something to me. I want God to call me. I want God to use me to make an impact, to influence, to make a dent, to bring hope, to bring love, to introduce God's grace into people that are hurting and hopeless and desperately need the love of Jesus. Is there anybody here that wants that? Like, let's, I just want you to imagine this. Imagine what it would look like right now, right, if 2,000 people, Faith Church, 2,000 people, God threw a mantle on you. And 2,000 people responded and said, I know I got a lot of obligations. I'm willing to cancel some obligations and take advantage of opportunities because, God, I want to be used by you. Whew. I'm telling you, if 12 people can change the world, 2,000 people can absolutely change a community. And so in the midst of everything that's going on, again, Elisha has this call. And I want you to notice, again, he, he goes through and, and he tells us, hey, I'm not sure. And there's a reason. Every word in the Bible is there for a reason. If, if you're new to the Bible, there's nothing there on accident. Every word is put there. So you got to ask yourself, like, what was the holdup for Elisha? Like, why didn't he jump on that bandwagon? Why didn't he get right behind Elijah and say, I'm in? Anybody here, what was he doing when Elijah found him? He was plowing. Anybody here remember how many yoke of oxen there were? Twelve. How many? Twelve. And the Bible says he was plowing with which yoke of oxen? The twelve. Every word in Scripture is there for a reason. So if God bothered to make sure that we knew that there were 12 yoke of oxen and that he was plowing with the 12th yoke, you better believe that that is there on purpose. The number, numbers in Bible has meaning. The number one means, it means unity. When you think of God, the Lord our God, he is one. 
When you think of the number three, you think of completeness. Jesus was raised on the third day. When you think of number seven, or number three is perfection, number seven is completion. God completed his work, rested on the seventh day. The number 40 is the number for testing. Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. The number 12, any idea what the number 12 represents? The number 12 represents government and authority. When the Bible says that Elisha, this guy, was plying with 12 yoke of oxen, here's what it was saying was that there was an authority in his life that he was submitted to, and because he was submitted to this obligation, he wasn't sure he could take advantage of this new opportunity. And there's a lot of us that we've signed up for things, and we've signed on for things, and we volunteer for things, and there's things we got to do like work, and we have so many things in this world that we are submitted to that sometimes it keeps us from doing what God's called us to do. Here's what I want you to know today is never let your submission make you miss your commission. Never allow what you're submitted to in this world, never allow the obligations you have to keep the call of God on your life from coming to, play, coming to pass. Never miss what God has for you. It is always worth the sacrifice to let something in this world go and pursue the call of God on your life. Woo, I'm telling you. But see, the battle, right, the battle... For Elisha, and he says it. He says, I'm going to come. I'm going to follow you. But first, first. And it's real significant because as this, this story kind of unfolds with Elijah calling Elisha, it's, it's really a great, there's a greater picture here. It's the same picture of Jesus calling us to follow him. Do you know when, when you read the New Testament, you find that over and over again, that Jesus would just walk up on somebody. He'd walk up on Matthew as a tax collector, and he would tell Matthew, hey, Matthew, come follow me. And when he followed him, it's not just what he followed him to, it's what he followed him from. He left a lucrative position as a tax collector to follow Jesus. When you look at, um, when you look at John, when you look at Peter, when you look at Andrew, these were guys, when Jesus found him, he said, hey, follow me. Everybody say that, follow me. Like, I got something for you. It's not just what they followed Jesus to, it's what they left. They didn't just take the opportunity. They had to let go of an obligation. They were all fishermen in a fisherman's business. Basically, they disappointed their father in a generational fish, fishing business to go pursue with God, the mantle, that call, that, that passion, that significant moment. They had to let that go to follow Jesus. And so this picture of Elijah calling Elisha is that same picture of all of us that every time when we decide to follow Jesus, when he finds us, God puts a mantle, God puts a call, God puts a purpose in your life. In order to really walk it, not just feel it, not just feel the passion, but like to do it. Like I'm tired of people showing up in church feeling a song. What happens if we walk out of here and we live it? Like in order to do that, Sometimes we got to sacrifice some obligations to embrace the opportunities that God's given us. When you are, are overcommitted, you are underperforming. When you have too many things on your plate, you cannot do any of them well. That's a fact. I'm telling you, that's a principle across life. And so God's like, hey, in order for some of you to follow me, in order for us to really do what God's called us to do, like, we got to trim some stuff. We got to let go of some obligations. And I know it's hard. It's a challenge, but it is what God's called us to. In order for it to happen, we've got to put God first. Everybody say first. He says, first, let me go home. You can't. Like Ricky Bobby said, if God's not first, he's last. I'm all about some Ricky Bobby. 
Ricky Bobby chapter 3, verse 16. If he's not first, he's last. This is what Jesus said. Check this out. This is what Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke. Check this out. Here's some stuff that Jesus wanted us to know. He said this. He said to another person, because this is how Jesus wrote. He would find people. He would call them. He said to another person, come and read it. Follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me, bury, or let me return home and bury my father. So think about this. Jesus calls him, gives him an opportunity. What does he say? I can't take the opportunity because I have an obligation. Say, Pastor, like how cold-hearted is Jesus that he can't bury his dad? So we're clear, it's not like the funeral was going on. What this guy was saying was, hey, like dad's getting a cough. He's probably not going to be around for but another five or ten years. When he finally kicks the bucket, I'm all in. He said, hey, Jesus said, listen, watch this. I love this. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. That's some cold-blooded stuff right there, but I love it. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a question. What's your duty? What's your duty? Not your obligation that you signed on to, to your boss, to your team, to your whatever. What's the duty? What's the responsibility that God's put on your heart? Because I would say most of us, we feel a pull, a passion, a direction of something God wants us to say, do, help, get involved with. But we've not done it yet, not because we don't know that God's given us the opportunity, but because we feel overwhelmed by the obligation. Go on, next verse, he says this. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Come on, read it, but first, let me say goodbye to my family. Sound familiar? It's the same thing Elisha said. Watch what Jesus says. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. He's just saying, like, you just got to decide. Is it the obligation or is it the opportunity? Because sometimes we just can't have both. And so I love this because jump back in our story, verse 21. Watch Elijah's response. Mary said, I want you to go think about it. Go consider what I've done. So Elisha sits down. We don't know where, but he's hanging out. And he's thinking, okay, do I, do I stay home with dad? Do I help with the plowing? Or do I go follow Elijah? Do I do what God's put on my life? If I stay here, dad will be happy. I can still hang out with my homeboys. We can still do our thing. It's going to be a lot of fun. But if I follow Elijah, probably going to be a lot of sacrifice. But man, I can really make a difference in my world. And he's stuck between this thing. And he's got to decide. And when he goes back and he thinks about it, here's his response. I love this because this, he gets radical. I, I, would love, I would love, man, if, if just faith church just got radical for a minute. Just radical in our obedience. Radical in our sacrifice. He says this, So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. This cat is about to have a barbecue. It's a block party. Like there's a smell in the air. Music's bumping. We're not sure who. It's probably some Guns N' Roses, maybe. Music's happening. He slaughters them. He uses the wood from the plow, right, because the oxen are yoked. He breaks up the wood, uses the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. Block party. He said, why in the world would he do that? Like, why, why would he go home and, and take these oxen and slaughter them? Why would he take, why would he take this, this yoke, this plow, and break it up? Do you know why? Because I want to make sure. There's no way I can go back. Like if he just parked them and like said, hey, y'all watch out for my oxen. I'm going to go follow Elijah. If things got tough, in the back of his mind, you know what he's thinking? I can, I can still go back. 
I just believe, anybody here, anybody here play baseball or softball? Anybody here ever tried to steal a base? I'm not saying you did it, but you at least tried to steal a base. Like when you steal a, like you got to get far enough and you reach this place when you're stealing a base that you can't go back. You're too far and you got to run for it. Like some of you are safe, man. Like you're on first and you ain't going anywhere. And some of you are like, you're a little bit off, but if things get dangerous, you can go back. Some of you are a little bit out there. And you might have to slide back in, but you're still in. Like, I'm just telling you, I believe that God wants us to get so far out in moving to second base that first base no longer an option. That God wants us to get our hands around the opportunities to change our world. That our obligations start falling away. And so he goes home, man, and he kills the oxen, breaks up the plow, has a barbecue, feeds all his homeboys, and goes and follows Elijah. Remember the story of Peter? Maybe you don't know. Peter was one of the disciples. He was a fisherman. Jesus called him to come and follow him, and Peter did for three years. Some of you know the story. Jesus is arrested, and he's crucified, and it looks like, it looks like the hope that Peter had is gone. Jesus is dead. Do you know what he does? He goes back fishing because he still has a boat, and he still has a net. Elisha said, that's not, an, that's, not, that's, not, that's not possible for me. I want you all to hear just something, and I, I just want to share a part of my story. So, right, I grew up in a place, grew up in a home. I didn't grow up with Jesus, didn't grow up with the Bible, didn't grow up in church. We didn't go to church, didn't talk about Jesus. I didn't know about God, didn't know about grace, didn't know about the Old Testament, New Testament. I didn't know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know there were books about. I knew nothing about God, Jesus, Christianity, grace, love, nothing. Until I started dating, who is now my wife, we started dating high school sweethearts, one, two, three, aww. Um, I seen her at a dance, and she was stunning, and I waited for her to come to me, because that's how I rolled. And we danced, and we hooked up, and, but I was straight out of the world. She grew up in a Christian home, so her mom laid down the law. If I was ever to date her daughter, I had to go to church, and because I liked her, I went to church. I didn't like church, but I liked her. And her mom, y'all just missed that. Some of you here like struggling with some decisions with your kid. Her mom said, if you're going to date my daughter, you got to go to church. I Listen, I went from never being in church. We was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, which just tells you how much I liked her or at least lusted her. But anyway, so... So I started going, and I started listening. I was in a church, and I didn't really understand the messages. I never heard what this guy was saying, and... But started going. We started dating in, in October. I asked her to be my girlfriend, October 31st, 1988. I got saved, March 19, 1989. Sat in a hall of about 6,000 teenagers, heard, like I heard it. Like this guy was preaching to 6,000 people, but he was preaching to me. And like God found me. And like I found out about God's grace and his love, and it changed me. And so fast forward, like, I knew there was something different. But I already had my life planned out. I knew where I was going to school. I knew what I was going to do. My aunt, she was an executive at Goodyear. She said, listen, you go to school. I'm going to get you a job. Like, even though I didn't try hard in school, I've always naturally excelled in school, partied a lot. I went to school almost every day high, went to school a bunch of times drunk. But I would just roll in and just do my thing, and I just excelled. First time, only time I took the ACT after a night of partying, scored a 31, got recruited by the Navy to go into their nuclear physicist program. Me and a buddy, he's still in, still in the Navy. 
Things just came easy for me. But you know what? In the middle of me leaving, going to school, Akron University, three years, six semesters into electrical engineering degree with the promise of a job that was just outside of my grasp, I knew I was called for something more. Like I had all these obligations, things that people said I should do, things that really I wanted to do, things I had signed on for. I'd already, well, I didn't spend the money, but my parents had invested the money in my education. I already rent. Like I was in. And then God put this opportunity in front of me. And I had people that would come up and they would say this, like my youth pastor, he said, listen, he said, Steve, I don't know if this makes any sense to you. He said, but my wife and I, we were praying for you. And man, God put a vision in our heart of you preaching to young people, hundreds of young people. Like I didn't, a vision, what's a vision? Like I didn't know what that meant, but I'm telling you that like in my heart, like I knew that even though I had all these obligations, like I knew God was calling me to something. And I'll never forget the day. Some of you have heard bits and pieces of the story, but like it's, it's just cool when I think about what God did. So finally when I said, okay, I'm going to go into the ministry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow God. I'll never forget I went and talked to my pastor. I was like, pastor, his name was Joe Serban. Pastor Serban, like I don't know what to do. I know I'm called in the ministry. I'm in school. I'm about to graduate. I got this great opportunity, but I believe God wants me to do something else. Like what do I do? And he said, you need to go to Bible college. And I'm like, that's starting over, Jack. That's the wrong direction. And so I'm like, that's what I need to do. So I went home. I'll never forget. I walked in, talked to my parents. My parents, again, had invested a lot of their money in my education. I can still picture my mom and my dad, who are great people, love me. But at that time, they didn't know the Lord. I'll never forget standing there saying, hey, mom, dad, I'm, I'm quitting Akron University. I'm going to Bible college. I feel like that's what God has for me. And my mom said, I can't support that. Walked out of the kitchen. My dad looked at me and said, so you just think because... They're going to feel bad for you and give you groceries. Like his mindset was I would be poor in ministry. And even though at that time my parents were not on board, and I wasn't sure I was on board, and none of my friends were on board, my decision to follow Christ, I cut a lot of relationships out of my life because I made a decision. I can't be who God's called me to be as long as I hang out with this group of people. And so I sacrificed relationships, and I sacrificed education, and I sacrificed a lot of stuff. Transferred to Valley Forge Christian College, finished my education there, stepped in the ministry. Since I've been in the ministry, God has continued to bless me. Our first youth group had about five kids in it. We left, we were running about 40. First, second youth group showed up, had about 15. We left, had 150. First church we showed up, had 35. We left, had 500. We got here, church was 500. We now run 2,000. See, here's what I know is I've had the opportunity to travel to 30 countries around this world. God has blessed me big time. I get a good paycheck from here. Don't anybody ever here worry, am I paid well? I'm paid well. I'm blessed well. God has blessed me in tremendous ways. So when I look back and I think of my obligation that I could have been an electrical engineer, one guy told me this. He said, why do you want to build stuff that God's just going to burn up one day in judgment? See, I'm investing in eternity. And if you all think I'm bragging up here, you're mistaken. I'm not bragging on my sacrifice. I'm bragging on God's faithfulness. Because in the midst of an obligation and an opportunity, I turn left. And so if you're here and you're like, Pastor, it's like I feel like God's got something for me. I feel like God's calling me to something. Like, I just want you to know that you're going to have all of these reasons and people are going to be in your ear. You're going to think all these things I've signed up for, I've committed to, like I've been at this job 10 years, I can't quit, I'm about to retire, I'm about to get my degree and be foolish to turn around. I'm telling you, it's never foolish, maybe to men, but it's never foolish to follow Christ. I want to read one more scripture to you. It's found in the book of Matthew. It's a cool scripture. We're going to pray. Matthew chapter 19, here's what the Bible says. 
Then Peter said to him, I want you all to read this with me. Then Peter said to him, to Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Is it worth it? Like I sacrificed my dad, my friends, my business, my future to follow you. Is it worth it? I want you all to shout this with me because here's what Jesus says. Verse 28, Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Basically saying you're going to have a place of authority for eternity. Next verse, watch this. And everyone who's given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property, he's saying no matter what you think, obligation you sacrifice, for my sake, watch this, will receive 100 times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I I just just want you to know, as your pastor, each and every week, like I enjoy joking. I I love it when you all laugh. I love when people call and say, Pastor, we love you. We we laugh. That's great. Pastor, we, man, I cried in service. That's great. I just want you to know my heart, each and every time you hear, man, my, my desire is just to throw a mantle on you. That you'd walk out of here with like, like I want to change the world. God, use me. God's going to give you opportunities. The question Elisha had to answer is, am I willing to let go of obligations to follow him? You have to answer the same question. And so I want to pray that God would stir some great things in your heart and life. And that you'd make the decision. Whatever sacrifice you got to make, you're going to take advantage of the opportunity. You all pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you today. Because, God, again, your love is so amazing. And, Lord, you've pursued us, and you've chased us, and you've let us know through the death of your son, Jesus, how much you radically love us. God, I pray in Jesus' name that, God, now that we've accepted your grace, some of us are in this place where, Lord, we've given our hearts to you. I pray that, God, that would change into life change, that, God, it would mean the way we live is different. And, God, every person in this room that feels a burden, a call, a passion, a vision, a direction, whatever word we would put on it. God, we know that you've called us to something. That We can make an influence in our schools. We can make an impact in our workplace. That God, you can use us wherever we are. I pray in Jesus' name that God, every person in this room would know that they have a mantle, they have a mandate on their life to be city shakers, to be wall breakers and for God to use us in our world. And Lord, I pray when we feel the weight of our schedule and the tightness of our budgets and we feel like we can't do it, I pray that God, we would be willing to sacrifice obligations to take hold of opportunities. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agreed, said amen. We all, just one more minute, I just wanna pray. Listen, before we close, maybe you're here, it's the first time you've been here. Maybe you've been here lots of times. And you've been hearing me talk about God's love and God's grace. I want you to know today that God loves you. Maybe you've never heard that or maybe you've heard it, but you don't know why. Let me just tell you, the Bible says we've all sinned, every single one of us. Watching online, we've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes. But because God wants a relationship with you, because he wants to be with you forever. See, our sin, because God is holy, our sin separates us from God. And there's nothing we can do to bridge that chasm. There's nothing we can do to reach God. See, the difference between Christianity and every other world religion is 
every other world religion will tell you there's things you can do to bridge the gap between you and God, you and heaven, you and eternity. But if that was possible, Jesus wouldn't have come. But the Bible says God loved you so much that he sent his son on a rescue mission. See, Jesus died to pay the price for your sin and for mine. And that through that tremendous act, the Bible says if we'll put our faith in him, the Bible says we're saved, we're forgiven. And so before we close today, just real quick, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never said yes, I need God's grace. Like, I want his love in my life. I want to experience his forgiveness. It's not joining a church. It's just opening up your heart and saying yes to God's grace. So all across this room, if you're here and you've never said yes, and today you want to say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. Today I want to open up my heart to God's grace. Today I want to say yes to his love. All over this room, if that's you, I want you to lift a hand real high, side to side, front to back. Come on, throw a hand in the air if you're saying, Pastor Steve, pray for me. Today I want to give my life to Christ. Today I want to say yes to God's grace. Is there anybody here? Thank you. Lift a hand up and leave it up real high so I can see you. If you've never said yes, man, I'm just telling you, man, God loves you and he's made it possible to be in a relationship with you forever through Jesus. Is there anybody else here? Thank you. Two hands. We're going to pray. And if you're here, whether you lifted a hand or not, I want you to know the Bible says that if we'll speak out of our mouth, we'll believe in our heart. The Bible says through that transaction, that's how we're saved. That's how we're forgiven. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want every voice in this room. Let's support the two today that are making that decision. And maybe more didn't lift a hand. I want you to pray after me. The Bible says that we'll confess out of our mouth. So we're going to do that right now. Everybody in this room, will you pray this? Say, Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you came and you died for my sin. You rose again for me. Today I open up my heart to your grace and to your love. In Jesus' name, save me and make me your child. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God today? Hey, listen, guys, man, great to have you here today. I know you have a busy week with family. Listen, make sure you love on your family. Spend some time with them. Enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday. Again, no service Wednesday. Be back here today at 3 o'clock to help deliver baskets. We need lots of help. If you're a first-time guest, stop by our connect room. We love put a gift in your hand as a way of saying thanks for being here. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week for last week of Thanksgiving Feast.